Hello, and thanks for tuning in to the Growing Pains podcast brought to you by Honey Kids Asia. This podcast will delve into the deeper challenges of modern parenting and provide a safe space for parents to unravel and detangle the messy and sometimes scary world of modern parenting. My name is Ange. I'm an Aussie expat who has called Singapore home for the last eight years and counting. I'm a mum to two boys, Xavier, who is 10, and Marcel, who is eight. In this episode of the Growing Pains podcast, we're talking to Dr. Apana Sunda, who is a mum to two children and a certified KonMari consultant. We want to find out, how do you learn to let go? Dr. Apana will share tips on leading a minimalist lifestyle, decluttering as a family, and managing feelings and expectations. Enjoy. Hello, Dr. Apana. It's so lovely to have you on the podcast. Thanks so much for chatting with us today. So first up, it would be wonderful to learn a little bit more about you. Yes, thank you so much, Angela, for inviting me to the podcast. I am uh, Aparna and I am a KonMari home organizing consultant and a Montessori certified parenting coach. I love helping families tidy up their spaces, simplify their lives and connect with their children. So I'm so happy to be here. Thank you so much. And I forget to add, I'm a mom to two lovely kids, age 10 and 8. Oh, my goodness. Um, Very busy. And also, I'm sure that there's a lot of um, families that have a lot of gratitude for you coming in and helping them in terms of the decluttering and tidying. Thank you. Yeah, I hope I can share um, my experiences as a consultant, as a parent, and uh, I hope to share nuggets that parents can take and implement in their homes. So we are very intrigued by your family's minimalist lifestyle. Could you share with us why you decided to be minimalist and when it all started? Yeah, so interestingly, my husband is a minimalist. Uh, When I married him, I was astonished to see how somebody could be happy with just five T-shirts and five or three or five pairs of pants. (laughs) And uh, he was, uh, you know, quite instrumental in our journey. I didn't realize how important it was to live with intention until after I became a parent. Mm. And, um, you know, kids come with a lot of stuff. They come with a all these marketing strategies thrown at you to get the latest gadgets. I remember buying a food processor to make baby puree for my oldest child. I just didn't use it for my second. You just don't need as much stuff. And uh, I just wanted to raise my kids with with less because there's a lot more to parenting and a lot more to their childhoods than the stuff that they come with. And so I think being an ex-shopaholic myself, I've realized that it also doesn't add a lot of stress to a mom's life or to a parent's life. You know, the more stuff we have at home, the more these things are vying for our attention when they should be actually going towards what's more important, which is the child or the children in front of us. Mm. It's so true that when you have children, you realise how many things you started buying when they were newborns that you never needed. Absolutely. I remember buying like little seats and all these different pots to put the puree in and so many recipe books for baby food that I never needed because I made the same four things, you know? (laughs) Yeah. And there's all that, uh, yeah, that we don't realize that we just keep consuming. But then with children, it's not like with you and I, okay, we buy a top, but we might wear that for years. Exactly. But when they're kids, they suddenly grow out of those things so quickly. And then they do actually just become oh, I've got to pass this on to someone else, they're obsolete or I need to sell them or suddenly my house is just full of things that we don't need, use or or will ever use again, right? Yeah, absolutely. And the funny thing is the kids don't really care which brand 
a food processor or which brand t-shirt they're wearing mm. it's all about comfort it's all about am i with mummy or daddy um or with the caregiver am i being loved am i being um you know am i being cared for or given attention to in a in a wonderful way i think that's mm. what really matters a lot to the children and they don't really care about the details of the stuff that we get them very true yeah so how did you guide your children towards a minimalist lifestyle was it difficult for them to adapt so i would say the most important thing uh was for us to set the example mm. i think by you know as, as parents we think we need to teach them things we need to have a sit down lesson with our children and start talking about that minimalist journey that we all want to start but i think the first most ex- important thing it would be to set that example um so for us my husband and i you know we were uh demonstrating what it would be like to uh, go to a store and not immediately come back home with a bag or if we wanted um an expensive piece of you know electronic equipment at home we would talk about it but not immediately go ahead and buy something we would uh wait a while mm-hmm. uh and you know we wouldn't just go by our whims and uh, you know satisfy that immediately if it was not something urgent so you know by doing that constantly our children are not just uh sitting down and learning but they're observing from their environment uh, and because i'm also a montessori educator uh maria montessori who was an italian physician and educator uh she actually said that children absorb everything in their environment when they're young so between the ages of 0 to 5 6 they're actually absorbing everything like a sponge and they're not choosing what they're picking up from their environment they mm. they pick up everything and it becomes a part of who they are mm. so uh she called it uh, incarnations and it goes into their soul it becomes a part of their soul so it is so important for us as parents to just set that example and you can just leave the learning you know to the children they will pick it up so yeah setting an example was important and um i think we can let go of expectations as well that way because you know this this minimalist living or intentional living is a lifestyle choice there might be things that we do as parents uh that our children might not want to uh pick up or learn an example would be becoming vegan for example you yes. can't force this on the children but if you've been doing this from the start they don't know what it is like uh to to eat meat unless of course they go to school and they observe differences around them which we'll get to yes. in a bit i would love to talk about um how they get influenced by their peers mm. but as long as you've been doing it from the start as young as possible from when they're young it just becomes a part of who they are and they don't question it mm. and we will get to it because it's a question that's burning for me around you know as the children get older and their peers become more influential in terms of what they want to do and they become more aware of what others uh, have and have not yeah. in terms of possession but How did you manage your children's feelings and questions now that they are aware of their friends buying new things, getting the latest gadgets, you know, going to the Smiggles and those kinds of shops on the weekend and coming in with lots of little new um oh what are they called the trinkets. little key rings and trinkets on their school bags. Yeah. How do, how have you been able to navigate that? So it's so interesting that you said that because um we've had experiences with smiggle as well so we'll bring that up uh it's important to just acknowledge and validate what they're feeling you know sometimes children just uh just just are just told no not today we can't get that and so it just they they start to get resentful and they want that even more even though it's a very small thing that their friends have and they want it so i think what's first important to do is acknowledge 
what they're feeling and and say things like yeah i can i hear you you know i know that you want this really bad um and what i do with my kids is and this didn't happen overnight again so all of these different things that i'm sharing didn't just happen overnight and my kids didn't want to become minimalists or anything like that uh they still want things mm. but what we've had conversations about was um how we do things differently as a family and you know there are going to be so many differences that they see around them with regard to how they are raised versus how their friends are raised and how their parents talk to them versus how their own parents um do so it's important for them to see those differences and also validate what they're feeling so what we do in our home is uh we we make little wish lists on my phone or my husband's phone or we take pictures together in the store that they're in or what we also do is window shop so when we pass mm. by a store that we don't have any plans of going into i let them just be free there just spend as much time as you want um uh, just go around see what you like and then we just come out without buying anything of course what's more important to do before this was we window shop ourselves so when we are with our kids we don't enter zara and h&m and come out with shopping bags but mm. we talk about oh i really like that blazer but i think it's not for me today and you know that's how we set that example and another thing would be to just let them learn from experiences so the funny thing about smiggle was um the kids had friends who had these little snap bracelets you know that just My snap boys. onto their wrists <laughs> yes and so they insisted and it wasn't expensive it was no. you know less than 10 dollars and they insisted on having one each and i think we've had all those conversations before they've 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 done all of the window shopping wish lists everything but that day they insisted on having it and they're like mummy we're going to take a lot of care and we're going to be using it every day after school and you know we're really going to love it a lot and i said you know what i want them to experience this so we went ahead we bought it and they came back home they were so excited to use it for like 2 days and on the third day it was forgotten in a drawer in their room and i didn't say see i told you so i told you that this was going to be a mistake and so we just spoke about it very organically over dinner one day and um, we were like hey guys remember you know we had that snap bracelet we bought like how are you guys enjoying it and we i could see on on the look of their faces was uh was one of embarrassment i would say oops mom they were guilty <laughs> and you yeah. know what not and i didn't mm. uh you know try and complain about it or yell at them or any of that we just spoke about it as a very matter of fact and how they learned from that experience and what they could do better next time and it wasn't just uh not to want things it was about differentiating what do they really need versus what they want so i actually encourage parents to have low hanging fruit kind of mistakes mm. just let let kids experience that let them let them learn from it let them problem solve when they are part of the problem solving then there's a higher chance of compliance in double quotes you know you want them to come to you and say mummy i i don't think i want that big jewelry making kit because i know i'll just make one or two and then you know it's something that i will forget after 3 days do get them things that they will really appreciate so we, we'll talk about gift giving and things because i think that's really important with kids how they uh how we delay gratification mm. and uh, you know let them experience life and let that teach them instead of the parents always thinking that we are responsible for their learning Are there things that you've had to give into that you if so as our kids get older it, we kind of touched on it earlier but you know they become more aware of what their peers have and when they're at school a lot of conversations will happen about certain 
TV shows or movies or games or electronics, whatever it may be. And, you know, I've certainly found my experience was that I had to start allowing particularly my older son to have some of these things, even though I myself didn't think he at all needed them because he was coming home and saying, oh, mummy, you know, everyone's watched, everyone's watching Marvel movies now, or mummy, everyone has a Nintendo Switch or, you know, and then so certain things like they had to, it took a long time for us to work up to actually purchasing them. Um, But I did allow those things into the home. And certainly for my younger one, Marcel, like he's going on this journey two years earlier than his older brother because I can't obviously let Xavier watch all of the Marvel movies and Marcel's upstairs, you know, not allowed to join in. And so suddenly I'm in this position where I'm going, well, what do I not compromise on? So what are the things that I've absolutely said you cannot have, you know, and I still explain to them why, but I'll say, you know, you're not having a certain soft drink or you're not having this because you know, because it's not good for you and there's these other things you really enjoy and when you're older you can make a decision about that yourself. Uh, but then there's others that I've given into. So we're watching all the Marvel movies. We've, we've watched Star Wars and I'm happy to do that and I've gone on that journey watching. I'm, I'm like a Marvel um, expert now. Um, <laughs> watching all these movies with them because they didn't, it was becoming a, a situation where Zay was suddenly, you know, left out of those conversations at school and feeling like he didn't, have a place in those conversations and, you know, it wasn't good for his self-esteem. So long-winded way of asking, have you had any of those moments where you've had to kind of compromise your lifestyle choices or your other choices that you would like for the for the kids and had to meet them in the middle perhaps or or just go, oh gosh, you know, this is one thing I'm going to just have to give in. Oh, I love this question so much, Ange. I think this is something all of us parents struggle with and me included. So recently, my... Son has been asking for video games too. Yeah. And it's something that my husband grew up with and I have never grown up with video games. So for me, it was something very difficult to come to terms with mm. that. Oh, my goodness. Now is that it, it was like a natural rite of passage, I guess. I just wasn't ready for it, but it, it was here. And my husband and I discussed uh, the family rules and values. And that's something I encourage my clients to to establish, you know, mm. before they decide what, what goes, what doesn't in the family. And so instead of having rules in the house, we decided let's just have guidelines. But the guidelines are rooted with my children's health and safety first. Everything else comes second. But the primary reason why we have guidelines and not rules is to make sure that the kids' health and safety is taken into consideration. So with regard to video games or screen time, it's to do with the eyes and being indoors too much and not mm-hmm. having you know, their friends playing with them outdoors. So th- there was a lot of pros and cons with that. But I also know that we can't keep our children away from technology, not in today's world, absolutely not. So it was. So we, we actually brought our kids along within that discussion. And that was really powerful because I didn't make these decisions for them, but I we we kind of did this collaborative family meeting. We did it with them. We discussed. So, hey, guys, we have this concern that you guys are and, and my, my son has, uh, you know, glasses. He needs to make sure that he has breaks in between his reading and he reads a lot. So, you know, we, we raised and voiced our concerns as parents and we just, uh, you know, put the ball back in their courts and we said, what do you guys think? How, how much screen time with regard to video games is, do you think is okay? And then we just did a bit of discussion back mm-hmm. and forth. Uh, because at the end of the day, I don't want my kids to hide and do things without me knowing. At the end of the day, I want to, you know, partner with them and, and parent uh, them 
along with their opinions and uh, choices respected. So it wasn't just mummy has authority and I have the power to decide for you or daddy has that, but it was with, we're giving you the power to, to decide what's, what's good for you. But these are the guidelines that will help you go along that path that has our family's values rooted in every decision you make. So when we do this with our kids, they know they're safe. They know that they can be in a home where they can always come back to with their challenges and struggles because parenting isn't a quick fix solution. We, we're not here to just give in to our kids and, okay, today the, the fad is, uh, you know, this 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 big uh, Marvel movie or tomorrow maybe this is Nintendo Switch, but tomorrow it's Nintendo something else. So it's all about where we're parenting along with them. We're learning how to be adults with them um, because it's it's at the end of the day, we're following our intuition and gut to raise these children who are going to be prepared for a new world tomorrow, uh, face challenges and come back to us if they're not able to problem solve. So any decision we make with them is to help them build these skills. So even if it feels like just a video game, a toy, a book, uh, we have to think of that big picture uh, and think, what is this doing for them and for us, you know, for their whole life in, in general? And and we don't have to worry too much because, you know, if there is that safety for them knowing that they can come back home and come to their parents to um, talk about what's going on in their lives, that to me is a big win. Uh, we've had issues at home where my kids have done something without us knowing. And to me, that was horrifying. I'm like, this cannot be done. So what can we do better? What can we do with them? rather than for them because as they get older they want to be empowered it's all about give me some power mommy because I want to make some decisions for myself that's right but still be guided by the family's guidelines uh, and not these enforced rules where there'll be fines and punishments if we're, we're not going to follow them yeah because you so, don't want them to feel like oh I made I made a mistake I yeah. made a poor choice yeah. or what they consider to be something they shouldn't have agreed to or and then you, you never want your kids to be fearful of telling us Absolutely. for, you know, for the sake of what will the recriminations be. Yeah. You want them to go, oh, my gosh, I need my parents to help me figure out what I'm going to do next yeah. or to guide me through understanding, right? Yeah. So, yeah, it's really interesting because I think that's been the big learning for me in the last few years has been, you know, and I always have said it to the boys is you're never in trouble if you make a mistake, you yeah. just come and talk to mummy or daddy and we can help you figure out what to do. Yeah. And, you know, and yeah. having that open dialogue is so important, isn't it, as they yeah. get older because they will at some point start to look to other people for guidance and yeah. not always us. Absolutely. But Absolutely. we still want them to feel like we can put ourselves in their shoes. Yeah. Mm. So when, when it came to video games, I just wanted to add that we, we came up with a time that felt right for them and uh, they are you know, watching a little bit of uh, a movie or playing a game, but it's sometimes with the parents. We're actually watching that movie with them or we're playing the video game with them. So for me, I'm like, I would rather just do that with them if they're enjoying our company. One day they'll tell me, mommy, shoo away, I don't want you here. And that's fine because they had uh, the honesty to just tell me that. Uh, but they know that they are safe. They know that they are cared for and they know that love is going to guide them. So it's... Um, it's okay to give in in moderation and it's okay to let them do things that their peers are doing as long as there's complete honesty, they feel like they can come back to you and they were part of the decision-making process. I think that's really important. Uh, did you have any parental guilt as a result of your decisions ever? Was there a real transition to kind of 
Yeah, I think, yeah, I think as uh, guilt is concerned, we're all going to feel guilty at some point in our lives as parents. We'll always second guess our judgments. We'll second guess the best decisions we've made, but it kind of backfired. There's always going to be some guilt, but there's comfort knowing that with guilt, there's always a chance to problem solve. Mm. Um, when it's shame, there's a little more reflection that you need to do. But with guilt, there's always something that we can do. And I think what kids need to see us do is problem solve and make mistakes in front of them. We we think that we have to be these perfect parents. Uh, but actually, the more our children see us fall and openly t- talk to them about our mistakes, mm. they know that we are human too. So there is going to be some guilt always, I guess, nagging at us. But um, I'm happy to talk to my kids and say, guys, I made a, you know, I made a mistake and I I want to learn. How do you think we can do this together? And they love that. They love my vulnerability. Uh, and they're like, mommy, we can do this. You know, we can problem solve this way or they make me feel better by, you know, it's so cute that they, they give me cuddles and hugs when they can sense something's going wrong. Um, yeah. So I think that's that's a beautiful way of just being vulnerable and uh, showing them that we are perfectly imperfect mm, in their eyes. I think eyes. that's such a great piece of advice yeah. that we don't have to be on a pedestal and um, revered by our children. We want them to see that we also make mistakes, right? So important, I think, because we do sometimes think that we have to be perfect, mm. particularly when they're little and we haven't been parents or when I hadn't been a parent for so long you know, two, three years, and you're just trying to do everything right and not allow them to do things that you perceive to be a poor decision or, you know, always being there for them when they're awake and all that. And then you start to go, actually, no, like it's good for them to see that mummy has time for herself. It's good for them to see that mummy makes mistakes or that, yeah, or that I, um, you know, that I'm human, right? Absolutely. You're listening to the Honey Kids Podcast, Growing Pains. I'm your host, Ange Neo. Did you know that over half a million mums and dads read Honey Kids every month? Amazing but true. If you'd like to know all the great things to do in Singapore, then you absolutely need to subscribe to our newsletter. It delivers the best of Singapore right into your inbox every week. Switching gears a little... How do you, when we talk about the minimalist lifestyle and the fact that it wasn't something that you uh, have always embraced, you know, growing up and it was kind of through your husband that you were introduced to this. So, and then, you know, we have the kids and then all these things come into the house and you became a lot more intentional in terms of um, the clutter in your house. But how did you declutter as a family and what was easy about that process and what was the most challenging? So I think... Decluttering as a family is not just done, uh, you know, before a big annual event, you know, like during a, a festival. Like for us, it's the Pavali and it's traditional for us to clear up our homes and make sure we only have things around us that give us happiness and joy. So it's not something that we just do once a year, uh, but it's something that we are constantly talking about in, you know, little moments every single day. So like I mentioned earlier, we're very intentional with, you know, shopping habits mm-hmm. or, and we make mistakes too. But I think with tidying up at the end of the day, uh, that's something that we do as a family just to mark the end of the day. It's like a reference point that the end of the day is here. And let's just all as a family put things away in their homes. Uh, but decluttering as the main event is not just once a year. We do this 
Uh, quite frequently, I would say every six months, children have growing needs, like you said, and they outgrow a lot of things. And so during their school breaks, I think that's a perfect time to kind of just take stock uh, into their closets, into their book cabinets, into their toy bins, uh, and just see, are these still something that we really enjoy and respect? I think I wanted to mention that the KonMari method, which is what I use with my clients, it's just so wonderful because it really hones in uh, what is giving us that sense of purpose and joy in the house instead of what aren't we using? What do we not like? So we look at our things with that lens of positivity. We look at uh, our things in a way that are they being respected and used and given our attention just like any other person in the home. So I, I tell my clients, children as well, that if you give every item in your home, every toy, a little personality, just like Toy Story. So if, if any of you haven't watched Toy Story with your kids you know, watch that before you start having these conversations because we're we're really thinking about uh, letting our children know that all of their things were once living. So with that spiritual um, aspect of this whole process, if they know that this was a once living thing, they know that this is something that they care and respect for, just like their best friend or their mummies and daddies at home. So it's um, it's a very it's a very cool concept in that sense. So. As a family, we, we do it every day um, because our children also want that sense of predictability. And if there is something that we do together instead of waiting for the helper to put things away or the parents put, uh, you know, declutter when the kids are asleep or when they're grandmas, they aren't having those opportunities to even know what's going on at home. So all of these are learning experiences because it's, again, part of life, part of who they are and how they are going to be raised. So, again, you don't need to sit down and talk to them about decluttering, but you just do it very matter-of-factly. You don't do it as a once-in-a-year kind of event. And for us, the easiest area, I guess, would be um, when we started doing this when they were young. Mm. So don't wait until they're teenagers or when they're much older. Start as, as young as when they are like two, when they're able to see what's going on when they're able to walk around and take a look at what the parents are doing and I guess if it's a category I think for us clothes is something we're not that sentimental about but when it comes to the harder category I think my kids creations and artwork is something that my kids get very sentimental about uh, you know they collect things and you know little rocks and jewels from a from a dress that they no longer wear. It's very cute. But also, um, I'll share a little bit later about how we can address these big challenges. But it's it's been one of our hard ones, uh, the, the creations bit. So, And yeah. how about gift giving? Yeah. What is your, um, perhaps just elaborate on gift giving in your family. Yeah. So at the beginning, um, again, so I've grown up with, uh, bless my mom, she used to love throwing these beautiful parties for my twin sister and me. And we used to have uh, garden parties with themes and birthday gifts were a given. It was There was no question about not having birthday gifts. And um, again, my husband never had big birthday parties. They used to just cut a cake at the tennis court when they used to play tennis. And that's about all they had. And I was like, this is unreal. How is this even possible? Mm. But I realized that my friends used to tell me they had all these gifts that they, the kids didn't even want. They opened the gifts. They had duplicates at home. And then there was this big stress of letting these things get out of the home after the mm. birthday party. And I told myself, I will never have this big party where I have to deal with all of these gifts. But before before that big conversation about unwanted gifts come, I wanted to let my kids know that birthdays are special. It marks this big milestone in your life. 
uh, but it also doesn't mean that we deny you something special for the day. Uh, so our family does a lot of experience-based gifts. So uh, we, you know, go to Universal Studios or we go to a nice restaurant that the kids love to eat in, uh, and we always couple something for them uh, with something we give back to the community. So we get the kids involved uh, in choosing what charity they like to give a part of their a gift money, so to speak, to. And because they have been involved from the beginning uh, where they would like to donate some of the money that they would get from family and friends, uh, they also know that it's not just about them. Mm. It's also, uh, I would not say an excuse, but it also marks uh, a predictable time of the year where they give back. It's not that we don't give back to the community uh, the other parts of the year, but birthdays are not just about them. It's also about that giving back. So experience-based gifts is something we do a lot. and um, Which must be very bonding as a family as well. Oh, it's amazing. Mm. It's amazing. They really look forward to it. And it's expensive. Experience-based gifts aren't very. cheap. Yes. Uh, yes. But they know that that's something that can, they can look forward to. So uh, any other part of the year, they'd be like, Mommy, we want to really check out this attraction or we want to go to a super park. Uh, I'm like, yeah, we can save up and we can go on uh, one of the birthdays. It could be mine. It could be yours. It could be one of the birthdays and they look forward to that because they know that that date will come. Uh, again, we're talking about delayed gratification. So yes. <laughs> it's something that they um, will experience one day. It's not something we're holding back from them. So the with regard to gifts, uh, we had two parties once and I remember mentioning on the on the invite, you know, just, just come by yourselves. We don't need any gifts. The kids have plenty, of course, in a nicer way on the invite. Uh, but we still had gifts that uh, came into the home. And, you know, this is a wonderful opportunity to teach our children being courteous and, mm -hmm. and gracious about the actual gift giving process. So we always acknowledge that the gift giver has come with really good intentions and they wanted to bless us. But probably their language of love, their love language was to give a gift. It's just different. To, to yeah. give a gift, which may be different from us. So, you know, I would encourage you all to do a the love, um, love language quiz that's online just to understand what your child uh, feels loved with. You know, it could be words of affirmation. It could be uh, actual physical gifts. There's, there's many ways that your children feel, feel loved. Um, and so once you know that, the children know that, they know that other people show their love in different ways. So that's another conversation to have, that not everyone can show their love in the same way that we do. And once you actually get the gift, they can try the gift out for a few days, see whether they like it before they decide that it's probably good for another family or friend uh, or it could be donated out to somebody mm -hmm. else. Uh, but if it's already something that they... I encourage my kids not to even open it sometimes if they already have something similar or if they can hold on to it for a week or two and if they come back to it, maybe it's something we need to open. Because it's nicer to give someone a, a new gift uh, rather than an opened one. So, yeah, so just talking about how this whole thing doesn't have to feel uh, like we are the better individual just because we are minimalists. I think this whole idea of, you know, being on a, what is that phrase, uh, being on a high horse or something like yes, thinking that we are we are the better ones just Superior. because we have less at home. Yeah, you know we yeah. don't want our children to be raised that way. No, we also want them to know that you can have things. Our, our things are here to serve us and give us comfort and joy. Uh, while at the same time, if there's things that we don't really need, our our home cannot take because we have spatial limitations, don't we? We only have that much storage at home. We we can do without it, and maybe we can make someone else happy. 
So, yeah, that's how we approach gift giving. It's not again something we chose to do overnight. It's conversations that we have had over many, many years. And again, I don't expect any gifts on my birthday either. So that's something they watch and see. So yeah. again, setting I, that example. I think the quiz on your love language would be quite interesting because yeah. I have a feeling that I like the gifts, Apana, I'm sorry yeah, to say. of course. <laughs> my mum loves getting gifts too. So yeah. it, just it doesn't depends. have to be big, but it's yeah. the thought that someone had intention behind yeah. choosing something for you. That's of kind course, of. of course. How have you shared your philosophy with your friends and family? Have they embraced it? Do they see it as something aspirational? Are they dismissive of your kind of the chosen path for you, for your family? Oh, it's very sweet. Actually, my family has been so accepting of this uh, way of how we do things because my twin sister loves little things and uh, I mean, useful things, of course, but she loves gifting uh, people things that they know they will love. So she's really good with that. I don't know how she does it. I find it really stressful, mm. uh, but she does it so beautifully. And with the rest of my family and extended family, the grandparents, they've all been very uh, generous and accepting of this whole philosophy that uh, we've embraced and my in-laws will always ask and my parents will always ask what do you what do your kids need uh, is there something that we can buy for their next birthday are there tickets to a play that they would like to see uh, or can we just give you cash and then you decide what you want to do with it and and it's it's very sweet that they do that um, and even if they choose to buy books or a dress from a store uh, they will just say, Apana, I'm going to say sorry that we got this for your kids, but I know they like it. And I'm yeah, and I'm okay with that too, because again, it's the thought that counts. It's the intention behind the gift. And I want my kids to see that too. We can't be purists in anything in life, right? So they need to know that there is going to be a mix of different things that different family members do. But again, there's love behind it. There's that wonderful and the best intentions behind that gift giving process. So I want my kids to see everything. It's not just... Mummy and daddy do it this way, so everyone else has to do it this way has too. Has to fall in line. Yeah, no, no. If grandma wants to buy that dress or that outfit yeah. or whatever it may be, <laughs> it's okay. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. You talked about parenting with presence or consciousness and letting go with gratitude. Which yeah. has been easy to follow and which has been tough as a parent? So... You know, parenting with presence just means we're really in the moment with our kids, right? When we are spending quality time with them, um, putting our phones away for those 10 to 15 minutes. I think a lot of times we think that we need to uh, let go of all of these rules that we've had for our kids. We need to let go of these expectations. Sure, I think all of those are important. But I think the easiest thing for us to to have done so far in the way that we've parented our kids was to be very unapologetic about our values um, and holding our boundaries but, uh, but also being very accepting of differences around us. Um, when when children see this in us, they know we're flexible, but at the same time, we are very sure about how we want to raise them. Again, it all comes down to, I want my children to feel safe in my home. I want them to come back to our home and talk about their problems and issues. So that bit of parenting with presence, I would say, has been quite uh, easy. But I think the most challenging thing has been managing expectations from everyone, from myself. So personally, I, I know that I am a very high strung kind of person. I am very type A. I think I, I tend to uh, be quite uptight about things. Mm. And so it's <laughs> difficult for me to see messes sometimes, uh, maybe because of some past uh, issues in my childhood. 
and it's difficult for me to see things not very clean and you know managing expectations is very huge for me but i think being a parent uh, helps you let go of all of those expectations and you just keep it real you keep it manageable in a way that you want to make sure your mental health takes importance mm-hmm. um so i actually embrace messes i embrace and sometimes the house is not clean uh and now because we have a puppy at home it's oh, yes. just been it's just been wonderful because i've let go of so much uh in terms of how my house should look like at all times uh i think i needed that i needed something like parenting i needed something like having a puppy i needed these experiences in my life to let go of these um unrealistic expectations from myself right mm-hmm. so that's important i think yeah So as a Conmarie consultant, what have you observed from your clients and any key takeaways from them? Yeah, so the the one thing that I've uh, really appreciated about working with my clients is sharing with them that our homes are not toy stores or big supermarkets. I think what happens is we see things in a store or in a supermarket and it because it's because it's decorated or placed and displayed so beautifully displayed so beautifully in the store enticing and it, it mm. just feels so attractive we yes. we are so um, it looks appealing and we want to bring it home but it looks different there and it looks different in the home and sometimes we wonder why we even have it so my clients actually tell me that yeah we don't need to bring everything from the store uh, into our home so that's one philosophy the second one i think is establishing boundaries So when when I was sharing earlier that I have a lot of difficulty with my children's artwork and creations and they they find it hard to let go what is important to note is just establishing what physical boundaries need to be there for that particular category of items so I share with my clients that if you have like one big treasure box for each child in your home they know that they can have all their creations in that one box and once it mm. starts to get full they know that something needs to leave before something new comes in so when children know physical boundaries and spatial limitations that's something they can take with them as adults in their home too um and and even the adults in the home you can have a lot of clothes in your closet but once you start buying a clothes rail once you start putting your clothes in the guest bedroom closet that's when you know that too much there's too much mm. and having um no boundaries starts to get very stressful as well and i think one more thing as uh with my parent clients would be um their presence is more than the actual presence like gifts that you give the gifts uh, that you give your children because you know children are going to remember their memories from their childhood is going to be all those little pockets or islands of experiences you know mm-hmm. if we look back into our childhoods we don't remember the dresses we wore the toys we played with as much as playing with our friends uh you know in the neighborhood or the experiences we've had in school that were inspiring or encouraging uh we want our children to think of their childhoods as something that was filled with magical experiences and you know they're not going to remember the things that they have they're going to remember how they were loved and how much time the parents spent with them so i want my kids to remember the the, the wonderful times they spent with us with their little uh puppy friend now with uh with their grandparents you know how we celebrated their birthdays outside um you know that's what they're going to remember and that's what they're going to come back to oh it's so true yeah uh last question fun question do you love mess like marie kondo yeah i know marie <laughs> says that she loves messes to be honest uh messes trigger me a bit yeah they do 
but I know that I partner with my clients. Uh, so in my home, I'm okay with it because uh, I know that messes have uh, homes at the end of the day. They, they can go back to their permanent locations. But clutter is something that is what we need to address. So messes are different from clutter. I know a lot of parents tell me, oh, I don't like messes. I need you to come and help me. But I, I always tell my clients that it's good to have messes. Our homes are not meant to be show flats or show homes or museums. Uh, we're meant to show that there's life here. Mm. And when we are doing our activities at home, we need to have our things out of their original location. So it's completely okay to have books strewn around everywhere and toys played in different rooms of the home. It's It just shows that your children and you, you you're all you are all enjoying your home and the things That's it has nice. to offer. A toddler offer. can't play without making an enormous mess, right? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so it can go back into its original mm-hmm. location, so it's fine. Um, but messes, I, I I do find that they're okay. But clutter, when it comes to clients' homes, that's what I find joy in helping to remove because I know that those are the obstacles coming in the way of them living their best life. Mm-hmm. So clutter is something we need to really address head, head first, but not messes. Yeah. I have three questions I'd like to ask every yeah, guest that sure, comes on here. Of course. The first one is worst parenting moment you can remember. So if it's a single moment, something that I need to single out, I would say that, um, so my my youngest, when she was three and a half, Mm. I think four years old, she was lost in a mall, in a shopping mall. So she'd uh, left my husband's hand and she just wandered off and my husband just couldn't find her. He called me up. I was in a class with my older one and I just can't find her. I don't know where she is. Oh my goodness. And I was frantic with worry. Mm. I had to leave my son in the class and, and, and get out of the class and... Um, I get a call from a stranger and and uh, she told me that I have your daughter here with me. Could you come and collect her in front of the store? And we just rushed there. And I was I was so grateful that she was safe and she was, uh, this was in Singapore. Imagine yes. this in any other country. I would just be, I, I don't know what would have happened to me. Mm. But what we did, which was something that I encourage all parents to do, is to get your kids to remember your Phone number. number. Yes. Because they remember, like your two-year-old can recite an entire board book, the contents of it. Uh, You know, your child has probably memorized their favorite book. Yes. So in the same vein, I would say they can easily remember your phone number. You know, make it into a song or put it Mm -hmm. in a book. Uh, You know, just get them to remember your phone number. And so I'm so grateful that they could do that. My children remember uh, their their parents' phone number, so she was safe and she was happy. Uh, but I think another, uh, I wouldn't say a moment, but something that we're still still struggling with is uh, sibling rivalry issues. Uh, yeah. They're ten and eight, so they're they're not too far apart from each other age wise. So they're still struggling with a bit of sibling issues. But I don't intervene until it starts to get very physical or heated up. Uh, I want to give them chances to problem solve. So that's something we're still working out. I think it's healthy that they're uh, fighting in a healthy way. (laughs) But uh, I think the best parenting uh, experience I've had, and it all comes down to how many opportunities. (laughs) Because I know that there has to be a worst and best, right? So the best one I would say would be um, how we've just let them experience doing things for themselves but still being around for them. I'm not saying we're abandoning them in the sake of for the sake of them getting independent. I think that's what a lot of people have a misconception about the whole Montessori philosophy that we need to force independence. So let's just mm. my children have to wear their clothes themselves. They have to put away their toys themselves. They they have to know how to pack their bags. 
so it's never like that. I think what's important to know is we've always focused on connecting with our children first. They know that we're around. Uh, even yesterday, so today was the first day of um, uh, school and they needed to get back to school after, uh, uh, you know, holidays. And my son knows how to pack his bag. My 10-year-old knows. But he, he was in tears yesterday. He's like, Mommy, uh, I don't know. I need you here. You're the Konmari consultant. I need you in my room. <laughs> I need and your expertise. I know. So I'm like, uh, I, I know this kid knows because we've, you know, we've gone through this many times and he knows. But I, all I said was, I, I know. I know you're finding it overwhelming. I just stood there with him next to him on his bed and he laid out everything like an expert. He put all his books according to subject, according to category and he packed his bag like a pro. And I was so proud. I didn't say a word. I didn't intervene. I didn't correct him if he was making a mistake or because I didn't know what he needed on his first day of school. Like, how would I know? I have never uh, involved myself too much and tried to say that this is the right thing to take. I want them to experience maybe uh, on his on their first day of mm. school, maybe this was not something they needed or this was something they, they wish they'd taken. So again, they need us to just be there. But again, we just need to let go and give them those opportunities to practice. So that is something I'm so proud of, that mm. they're they're embracing those opportunities while we are still there. I'm not yes. abandoning them. Yeah. yeah. What's something that you wish you had known before you became a parent? I guess uh, being sort of a perfectionist that I am, which I'm again letting go of, I wish I had not read every philosophy and every parenting book and thought that, now that I've read everything, I should know this. I've got this, right? Mm. That we feel like once we read all of these philosophies, these strategies, these tools, we should know how to parent our children. But our children actually teach us that we learn and grow with them. There is no one tool or toolkit that will get us to be prepared for this this parenting bit that there we're really going to experience. There really <laughs> Because every child, in fact, if we have multiple children, you'll know that you're not going to be parenting them the same way. <laughs> So definitely they're, not. they're so different, the two of them. And so just knowing that we can learn with them and you don't have to know everything. Um, just follow your gut and just make sure that they're safe and healthy and they're given a lot of love. Uh, you don't have to know everything. Uh, it's OK to just have them as guidelines. I always like, you know, calling them guidelines and mm. not just a strategy or a script. It feels very unauthentic. Mm. You know, just just grow and learn with them. In fact, children teach us how to be adults. I think that's something that uh, we just, it, it's not meant to be completely intuitive. It's not com meant to be completely out of a book. Those are all there to guide us and just to give us some ideas, some inspiration. But it's mm -hmm. no Instagram feed or no social media feed. Uh, no parenting book can ever tell us uh, which is the best strategy for our child. Uh, we are our children's best advocates and we know what works and what doesn't. So really just follow our instincts, follow our gut and just love our children unconditionally I can I guess I think that's the best uh, I guess I wish that is what I'd known before I became a parent. Apana thank you so much for joining us today. Oh it was a pleasure such an honor so humbling and I really hope that this whole um, podcast episode gave parents a lot of ideas uh, on how to embrace the messes embrace imperfection and uh, just enjoy parenthood. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> well, a big thank you to Dr. Apana for joining us today, talking about leading a minimalist lifestyle, decluttering 
and being more intentional in terms of the way in which we parent, I am now joined by our Honey Kids writer, Sufyan, to talk to us a little about what else we can find on our site. Thanks, Ange, for that intro. Hi, everyone. Suf here. And there's more content for you to read from what you've heard earlier. Dr. Pana has contributed an insightful piece on kickstarting a minimalist lifestyle. She's also a mum premier that we salute and admire. If you're inspired by Dr. Pana's journey, you can look into donating your gently used goods, shopping secondhand and vintage stuff, and the many ways to be a sustainable family in Singapore. And if you encounter parental guilt along the way, we've got tips on how to deal with that too. So head on over to the Honey Kids Asia site for all the great content and more. Well, that's it for this episode of Growing Pains. Thank you for listening and we will see you next time.